What's up, world? It's your boy, the Bitter Brother. Back with another episode of the Bitter Tastings. I know, I've been away for a minute, but I had to marry the love of my life real quick so had a couple things to do but you know i'm back and it's no better way getting back with harding house who does locally sourced ingredients for their beer what other better way than my man jim from porter grocery he has locally sourced groceries out in east nashville but he's sitting right next to me so i don't need to talk about him so how you doing jim good man thank you for the introduction so how'd you get into the grocery game and why? Um, I was uh, doing uh, the cannabis market, and I've been uh, doing a lot of farmers markets. And I got in with the Tennessee Grocery and Convenience Store Association to kind of. Uh, well, I guess it starts with when I started my cannabis business. We went directly into the edibles market, and mm-hmm. to be a edible food manufacturer in Tennessee, you've got to be really affiliated with the Department of Agriculture. And through that affiliation, getting my licensing and being Tennessee's first actual licensed producer of cannabis edibles, um, we got introduced to the Grocery Store and Convenience uh, or the Grocery and Convenience Store Association. Okay. And I started to meet a lot of small business owners through the Grocery and Convenience Store Association right. that made a lot of products. And I mean, we're talking about the early days of like, Stuff like the beehives, deli products, mm-hmm. um, Oliver and Sinclair. I met those guys through through the same association. Um, quite a few brands that I carry now, I met through that association. And as I did more farmers markets selling my cannabis products, I realized that a lot of these small, small entry level uh, food product companies didn't really have a lot of retail opportunity outside of doing farmers markets and that's a grind that's a serious grind on these people to you know do this work constantly and hit farmers markets three times a week oh yeah all the time and never places not being super successful and then they never have shelf space to boot to just offload some products and like push people towards you know um so that was a lot of my base motivation um I met a lot of good people in the Grocery Convenience Store Association and kind of looked at it as an opportunity to give back a little bit uh, and become a more solidified uh, presence in the areas that I've called part of my home for 20 plus years now. Right. Uh, North Nashville, East Nashville, the nations, uh, and, and working with local producers that I know are good people. Um, and yeah, sharing the wealth a little bit and, and the space. Right, I got you, got you. So like, just going coming from like the cannabis world and then going to grocery, it's not. That's kind of a crazy border. So you kind of just broke that down, which is my poor segue into yeah. drinking our first beer, which is called <laughs> Without Borders. Yeah, and you kind of have to have that going from yeah cannabis you, to grocery. Totally, so. you you totally have to look at it like a uh, a New Mexico Mexico kind of thing. It's like. There is no border right there. I've been right. out in the desert right there. There's no border. And if you want to come in, you got to come in. And I think it's the way it should be. Uh, and I, I really think that, like, there's not a lot of difference. And 
what kind of drifted me in that direction, I was writing a cannabis cookbook, one of the big other motivators, I was writing a cannabis cookbook, and when I had the graphic design done, the person was asking me, well, what do you think? And I was like, imagine this. I was like, imagine it's 1955, and cannabis marijuana was never made illegal, and this is just an uh, issue of better home cooking. It's like, it would just be another spice that you use, It'd be another thing that brewers use. It would just be another right. item in our cookbooks. So it's like, imagine all the, the the way like those old magazines where you'd have fruit and veggies all over the place, just kind of right. loosely floating and old ladies cooking stuff, you know. It's like, so that's why we illustrated it, just to kind of reflect that same rock well. Yeah. There's a bunch of weed over in the corner, you know. Like, right. The yeah, same yeah, way yeah. there'd be a little flour mill, there's a, you know, a, a mill for the buds, so... Once I started to dawn on me more and more that cannabis was really just another agricultural product, and when even I disconnected of so many people's day, you know, it's just, or just a part of people and everybody's day. Like having coffee in the morning. You know, you can't even get past it. So we really need to take that stigma out of it. Part of it, part of that is how you approach the market. You know, so when I made that, because that was my focus, and then I started to see, you know, I love agriculture. I love agricultural products. I love local, local quality products, foods that don't. Have the ingredients that give us cancer, basically. Right. Right. So why not create a spot where you can distribute that? And then the 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 icing to it all is for me uh, to take the opportunity and go to neighborhoods like the ones I grew up in and lived in most of my life. Right. I've never lived uptown. I've never lived in a high rise. It's always the cheapest place I can find in any city I've ever lived in. Because um, that's those neighborhoods usually have more feeling like home for me. Yeah, like where people know each other. You know, you know the guy who works in the store and all that stuff. It makes our neighbor guy got a connection to good ass tomatoes. Yeah. Downside to it is that the neighborhoods have lost that, and you can't get produce, you can't get locally made goods because socioeconomic or whatever. But somebody has to go back into right. Somebody's got to take the opportunity and go back in, and that's what I'm trying to build. I'm trying to build up enough space. I've seen go back and go back in the landscape. But the landscape is changing so quickly that it used to be. Changes pretty quickly. Very, very. One week is this, and next week is corporate buildings. I moved to Nashville in 2004. You know, wow. Yeah, so I lived here way, way, way And right after I graduated high school, I moved to Nashville. And to see it's changed so much, it inspired me to create a foothold for myself. Because it's like, it's in and out of neighborhood, East Nashville, Cleveland Park, Inglewood, 20 years. 
creation process, but also, but I've never taken the time to set something up for myself. Right. I've never taken the time to become a part of the community. Even though the community has changed, it's like, I feel like I can stay captivated enough of it to not give back to me, really even give back to the people that are there, but to regulate in some way, just a little bit, and say, like, there's not a lot of what used to be here, you can't claim a lot of it anymore, but if I can establish a neighborhood like that, that I can spread anywhere I want to go, and, you know, for me, it's not about an idealistic approach, it's about execution. And a neighborhood like that provides a lot of opportunities test and execution. Yes. And grow into anything. You know, if you can survive in a place like that, then you can build a business that's sustainable. Yes. Bring in income as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. But yeah, this without borders is a honey wheat beer. It's got a little spice to it, a little funk to it, but I like this a lot. I usually like Hardenhouse's product. They're one of my favorite brews in the city. They use a lot of like local ingredients or either hyper-local or local enough where they use ingredients from a state that's bordering Tennessee. So they might get their malt from North Carolina. They might go down the street to Fairview to go get some sort of fruit or vegetable or anything like that. So like keeping it local, I know with Porter Grocery, that's kind of your focus as well, as close as possible. Was that intentional or it's just kind of like this is the best thing I can get my hands on? I think, you know, it started with, like I say, the Grocery Association and how they had their approach to what's called the Pick Tennessee products. So you see those around town at Tennessee products. And once I saw that list of how many workers there were in Tennessee, my mind was a lot of repetitive stuff, but, you know, once you see how many small businesses there are producing high-quality foods, it's like, for me, I just felt called to action. Let's distribute it. And once I put together a store, I realized we don't need six of that. We got to spread it out. So that started to show me that I I started looking at all the departments of agriculture across the country and trying to find that same setup. And most of them don't have it. So Tennessee's Department of Agriculture has created something special. And Tennesseans themselves have some sort of ingenuity in their self-create has created this because there's not as many small neighbors and there's not as much not at all. No, unfortunately there's, 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 there's so many spaces for that here draws a lot of tourists and I think it all kind of goes hand in hand with it like the values of this state, the values of here that are from here, or the move here to experience those values. Right. And I think a lot of that comes creates like an entrepreneur open, like willing to try, take chances. Because I mean, who doesn't want to make a small business in Nashville? Like, no, not very small. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so you see that. And you see all the opportunities. Even just the moment, you just see all the opportunities. Small business. Why not try to capture all that, follow all that lightning, put it in somewhere else? 
One of a kind, really. One yeah. of a kind, really. Oh, yeah. So this is why this is such a perfect brewery to do this interview with. Yeah, Because they're one spirit. You met Nate off camera, and he, he's like one of the leads for the breweries to brew locally. They even had an event. Um, it slips on my mind now where they got a lot of local breweries to make a beer out of local ingredients. And so they'll bring it to different festivals. They go, they did one in Memphis, not sure, they did one here. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it. Uh, most of them were just wedding planning stuff. And so, yeah. But yeah, it was like, yeah. Adult life. Adult Hashtag. But um, this is why I was like, this is a perfect kind of conversation. I want to be able to meet them and hopefully work with them. It was just like, and we, we were talking about like, even potentially having you partner, but come to find out as the truck goes by, um, you need a certain space to sell beer. Like, how's the working with like, barriers to entry creating this like what did you have to go through just to get quarter road grocery oh yeah okay. so, oh yeah so um, it is a it is a if you're if you're educated in government and uh, maximum bureaucracy then it's at least if you're a lawyer uh, or uh, 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 So you automatically kind of start behind the just codes and building codes. But they make it pretty easy. But they make it pretty easy. They have, they have a good computer system that goes through. It's just staff or who knows. Or who knows. They, they go to the DMV. I think it's going to take 30 minutes. You're there for two hours. Right. Extrapolate that. Like, you have to apply that to the slide. But then on top of that, you got anytime you're getting into the alcohol industry. Um, and I'm learning this with a special background in cannabis, especially with a background in legacy cannabis, and I've been dealt with. Uh, what is legacy cannabis? Uh, I think some people refer to it as. Uh, yeah, you know, people who are respected in the industry, people in the industry, or as long as their generation can. I'm what is considered fourth generation cannabis, as far as every California scene goes. There's the guys from the 70s, there's the guys from the early 90s that bled in and learned a lot from people in Canada and Amsterdam. There's the guys from the late 90s, early 2000s that took it a little bit more 
What you find yeah, Spencer. Well, 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 what you would get like, 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 Someone they went at the time they made it, they went viral for making an avocado beer. Yeah, yeah, he was like, Yeah, he went, he was like, He made it out, of, he's based out of San Diego. His name's Dieter, he works over at Happy Hairs. And um, he was like, Yeah, it's a dope ass name, right? <laughs> and he matches his name, personality wise. Like, whatever you think it is, that's what you're gonna get with him. Very chill dude, long hair from San Diego area. His pants and family have an avocado farm. 
and he got his beard. He did that. And apparently, like, went dark time in L.A. It's like, I, I didn't even, I, I had to, I had to run. <laughs> so I was like, I want to ask him about the process. No. So what he, probably did he that did not match or he, like, I'm not quite sure how he did it, but it apparently came out great. Local magazine found it, then LA Times got a hold of it, and then Time Magazine got a hold of it. He was just like, I wasn't even trying to be fan. Yeah, he was like, yeah, and it's it. And it was like, they still make it now. I don't know. Yeah. Angel City uh, brewery out in um, San Diego or LA, around there. So I definitely have that written down, so I got to remember to go. But we're uh, now sipping on the hibiscus. Uh, this is this is the one beer like I don't leave this brewery without having at least a sampler of this. This is my favorite beer on their list. It's easy, refreshing, and relaxing because you know hibiscus that promotes relaxation. I was like, this is perfect because it's beer and it's hibiscus. So I was like, my perfect remedy. It's my perfect tea. <laughs> so. I, I uh, right now, one of the jobs I do is uh, I create a cocktail. So I come to there and I talk about there. Okay. Who do you? No, I'm not a shameless plug. Uh, uh, it's all good for shameless plugs, man. I guess everything you can do is uh, spend your game with Marquez, 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 Oh, uh, you did the Marquez? Oh, shit. I would have known that. I would have got out of my... Oh, man. We, me, me and the wife went there a couple weeks ago. Really? Man. Yeah. I, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. Um, I tried to tell you because I was like, I like to catch what you think about those. Hey, what you think about those? And then get people's responsibility to make I've only had my friends Really? No, I'm very much, I'll be honest with you. Like, I feel like we're cool enough. So I was like, you could have told me that, Rip. Your job is, you know, like, I mean, this is your gig. But I like to catch people off like, I really like to play it on your game because there's so much more. You know, there's so much more to do. Right. I think I start dropping hashtags or tagging myself, or, you know, creating that buzz. You know, I think it's really about the product just speaking for itself and the numbers doing Right. So when you do talk about it, like, well, motherfucker, be fake. $5,000 a month for this place. Just, I'm just throwing a number out there. I'm sure the number is completely wrong. <laughs> like, whatever it is. No, that's just part of where the cannabis thing is, is taken. And I, I talked to my other legacy friends. And the people out west, and you know, saw this thing, they saw a lot of the videos that were viral about the rooms, and they saw me in the background. And they're like, yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, I've, I've been seeing them all over the place. I didn't realize this one a guy got his glass filled, and he did like a viral video. I didn't realize it was Buds and Brews to like, I, I researched, I was like, this is in Nashville. What place is this? In but I, I didn't. Yes, Thirty Mile Road. Check it out. But I didn't make the connection, even though I seen the billboard. I was like, what? What the fuck is this place in Nashville? Not thinking it's Buds and Brews. I thought it was somewhere else. 
Oh they're yeah. Gonna be oh yeah. Because like you just need a place like that being successful. Because like, I think you you just need that. It's that you just need that one shot to go in the basket. That's all you need sometimes. It switched. It went straight through. He didn't even touch the net. Like it just went straight through Steph Curry style, man. I'm really proud of the guys that I worked for and the work that I did. And one of my things that I liked about him was when the first. I'd say within the first six months of us being out, that was one of the things Tommy was going to do. Frame it all around the sauces and the Frame it all around the sauces and the drinks. This was three and a half years ago. Uh, early 2019. And I was lit. Yeah, yeah. And like, like deceptively so. I was like, oh, it's going to be just a little bit, make you feel good. And I was like, oh, oh, I, I need to sit down. We need to get home now, babe. When you go there, Ask questions, you know, get an understanding of everything that they can see me. And that, you know, I'm, I'm big on uh, education. Uh, education. Education. Understanding understanding which things. That's why I've been successful in creating some products for some cannabis companies because I think the focus of formulation and efficacy is very serious. I learned in the early days, not the early days, but before recreation, it was never a thing anywhere to I was going to go to college. 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 I was going it hit you, but it was so cold, so he didn't really know, and then right, it is too late. You can't turn back. And for me, I didn't realize that like that much That's that's the life of edibles. Like I have so many friends that yeah, I had so many people hurt their own feelings, even myself. Like oh, I can't handle anything. No, feel this. Hour later. I can't. I can't. I, I can't feel my feet. I can't feel my feet. I can't feel my face. My lips hurt. No, and that's what pushed me later down the road when I finally got a chance to take the cannabis lifestyle serious. Was like once I figured out some of the extraction principles, I really started creating edibles with the idea that. You can make it more dosed. Instead of saying, oh yeah, this is a this guy, five hundred grams in it, only eat two bites of it. I was stoned. I was like, I eat two bites of it. Right. And I got a sweet tooth. Like, I got a sweet tooth. So, like, candies are always really up in the air. If it's like really, done really well, I don't really taste the weed. That's, that's the part where I get in real danger with myself. I'm always, I'm like, this is a third of the I prefer, I prefer a spirit form. So, I prefer my taste of cannabis. I mm. like when I can. I don't like the If it's good, if it's good cannabis, yeah, it's I've had cannabis that tastes like dirt. And it's like, 
and that's and that's basically they just didn't apply enough uh, chemistry. Yeah, the process is like a magic. Yeah, the process is like a magic. You get diacetyl in it, whatever. Whatever mistakes. Yeah, you get bad sour apple taste when you're not supposed to, things like that. So that makes sense when you apply it to that. I'm like, okay. Like, that's probably something I can rock with. If it's like, oh, okay. Like, I can. If you're not hitting your tongue, you're not keeping your tongue at the right time. Or you move too fast, you move. You're not making the same product that you made last time. And that's what's interesting. That's one of my biggest. And, like, one of my biggest. I wouldn't say mentor. I think one of the biggest components for that efficacy is out in Colorado, and she's definitely like third, fourth generation. She kind of crosses that barrier. Kind of cross. She kind of crosses that barrier because she's so yeah, like first generation. There's just some people that have that like, 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 thing that didn't say claws. Until I got into the lab space, I never took sanitizing the series of quality and I would end up with wild yeast in my beer and wild wild ferment somewhere and end up with female or type you know just yeah that taste was always you know and I do, I try really put some time to thought. It's like, oh, it's because of the It's because there was something left in my Yeah. I didn't keep the tank in, it wasn't. That yeast, that yeast will kill you if you're not, not paying attention to it. Because it's just like, so deceptively just like slick sometimes. I don't want to say slick, but that's the best term I can think of. It's like, it can get into crevices you don't think it can get into. And then you pour something on there, and it's like, boom. You might have like a certain yeast that has like some spices, and you try to put a fruitier, you might put an L yeast on the lager, and you're like, just enough. You're like, why does this taste this way? Yeah, it's like, it's not a super clean. And like, speaking of science, like, yeah, that's how I got into rabbit, like, understanding science. I was like, why is this a stout? But you just put in this tank a few weeks ago a whole pilsner. How'd you do that? Why'd you do that? How did it get here? And just learning about that, learning about that, I'm like, oh, okay, it's like the malt profile, grain profile, how long things sit, and how quickly you need to move things in and out, and hot profile. Like, there's just so much that can just dictate this. Like, and it's it's just so like crazy. So, but like with like cannabis. You mentioned uh, an interesting thing, like, you know, kind of stuck with me, was like, asking questions, like, for a person that's kind of against it, or don't really understand cannabis, like, how important is it for them to ask questions, and moving Tennessee towards legality, like, what kind of questions do we need to be asking these lawmakers, or even people like yourself, like, yo, I'm, yo, I'm, yeah, like what are some tips for people to kind of like help push that agenda forward? I'm very forward to my I don't even know who the persons are. Yeah, I don't know even what to do. I just, I can't face myself. Yeah, right. Ally that the 
installed in Tennessee for the lobby. And they have an agenda, which is to regulate cannabis the cannabis industry in Tennessee. That includes both cannabis medical So they're open to all aspects of it. Uh, and that's kind of what makes them really an outstanding operation. They're actually having a fundraiser. They're actually having a tattoo at Walmart. Called free plan. Oh wow! They even try to make it more convoluted. They're like, they realize, like, um, Delta 8, but like, you can get Delta 10 and 9, but like, you can't get Delta like, They're just trying to confuse people rather than. Or someone is like, okay, you're just a piece of it. It's like, you can cross the street, though. We gotta legalize cars. Like, yeah, I think, 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 Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Yeah, just like a lot of yeah, or just like some of the just with something clean, like no one wants like a banana split sour all the time. So I just want the banana sour. I'm not a huge sour fan, but I'm a stout guy, so I just want maybe throw some vanilla in there just to be fun with it. But like sometimes I'm just like don't make a yeah, like don't make a strawberry shortcake brownie stout. That's fun. That's fun for sure. Like I'll have a breakfast and fun to share with somebody. Like I'm trying to do this dope. But sometimes I'm just like, man, I just want something clean, easy to drink. Because I'm trying to go somewhere else. What you wanted for him, like, no, fools, like, no, <laughs> no, not at all. Because, like, I walk in here and no one looks like here. Like, we're sitting here, no offense to the house, like, it's just us. So, it's just like being able to bring people in in a genuine way through that conversation, that educational piece, like, hey, you like, you like him? Right, they got Whistleville, hey, barely beer that this brewery. Let's go try some of those. And you're like, oh shit, they can do this with me? Oh, fuck yeah. Or like, or like, oh, I like really fruity drinks. I like my Cosmo. I like my mango margaritas. Cool. They got a mango beer. They just came out. Or they got a fruit beer. Speaking of like Jack Love, if you like strawberries and raspberries, check out The Lover next season. And things like that. So it's like, right, it's super refreshing. It's like, it's easy to drink. You didn't realize you drink this. You're like, oh, this is what this is? Or hibiscus. It's like, oh, yeah. No, like, that's, and that, that same thing is like when I talk about fortune, that's the same thing. Like when I talk about fortune, it's like, uh, and it's really not until the fourth generation that you start to see a lot of diversity. And that's because you had guys who just said, I'm going to claim this bit. But it's still the diversity. It's no different than this industry right here. I mean, which 
Here's an apprenticeship, like more like they get more involved, easy. So, Yeah, 
she was from China, like she was the first Chinese person. You know what I mean? Like, when's the first Chinese American, Indian American? When's the first Chinese American, like German American, or you know, something like that? Like, what's the first like German American, Zimbabwean American, like legit, like straight out of Africa, like like one generation out of Mexico, straight out of Africa. When is that generation of first president? You know what I mean? Right. When is that? You know, you know, like, from the high to the high, you know, he's a very important person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone like the president versus the Someone like the president versus the president. Someone like the president versus the president. Someone like the president versus the president. Someone like the president versus the you need those opportunities. That's very true. Very true. We gotta create those opportunities. Even like as I finish up this prospect, which is a fast one, gonna be a little spice to it. Um, speaking of fast like I went to a festival last year called Barrel Flow. It's black owned beer festival in Pittsburgh. And it's super dope. It's just a bunch of black people together drinking beer. Same level as you see. Around his breweries, it's just like it's just really interesting to see that. It's like I think that's really actually really important for the people of color to have spaces. Like we we need that. Um, and in the canvas industry, do you see spaces like that, or is it just kind of like is it still more individualistic? Like that's a black-owned dispensary, but they don't really do much. So else, I, I other than being black owned, if that makes sense. So I'm a member of. I'm a member, a very inactive member, and I apologize. I'm a member of very inactive member of the Kind of like that social nice, where it's just, we just kind of like that social nice, you know, we don't focus on creating 
that that focus yeah. and you have to I think for right. me why that's important that you think that way is to not take up space for people who are looking for that focus for one but also to create something that allows me to stand flat on and build some things that I want it's like the people in the movie say two two for the studio one for yourself you know right. you do the projects that you have to do Right. The wealth that you need, the projects you want. Right. Exactly. You know, it's either that or borrow ten million Right. Exactly. It's either like cover, you know, ten million dollars for somebody. Because I went to a, a, a conference and 
I, I basically sat in front of my two business team. I was like, the important thing to remember is to, if you're going to claim to be like a business, make sure it's not just a black face business. You know, and it upset a lot of people. And I was just like, that's real. And it upset a lot of people. I was just like, dude. We did it. We did it. Oh, we made it. Oh, we made it. We did 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 it. Don't make me president of diversity. But you you can, but this is why I'm expecting. Of what they should be respected, you know? Right. Representing the concept of what they should be respected. Right. 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 Right
Still paying a heavy price for this industry. There, still paying. Still paying a heavy price for this industry. The entry is just not there because why? We didn't go to the a lot of people didn't go to the colleges that produce people that start venture capitalist firms that have enough money to say, oh, look at this. Some of them do, but that's just not what they're doing. They're trying to, because they still have to prove themselves. Even though they're in charge of a VC firm that's worth $100 million or, or managing $2 billion, they still got to prove themselves. Because they still, you know, like they know that, yeah, you're up here, but you're still relatively new to the game. Right. Like, you know, and you got to earn your seat. You got to earn, earn your keep. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen people. In the industry, I've seen people burn through at this point hundreds of millions of dollars, and just move from company to company, move from company to company or industry to industry. Like I, I've known guys. I knew a guy. I worked with a guy in California, and he came from Facebook, and he was like number fifteen in Facebook. You know what I mean? Like met with Zuckerberg on a regular basis, kind of deal. Mm -hmm. and him and I got together. Uh, through just networking and applying myself, basically, uh, and he burned through twenty-eight million dollars in three years. Damn. Yeah. And in the end, well, twenty-eight million dollars in five years. You know, so and in the end, his company is worthless. Sold it for the amount of money he owed. You know, which is not good. Like at all. Not at all. Like, you broke even. Yeah, you broke even after all this time. You break, you break even, like. Your investors are not happy. Like so, uh, you know, looking looking at stuff like that, and those guys just they go back to tech. They, 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 it doesn't matter, right? You know what I mean? like, and it's just like whatever. Yeah, just whatever. Yeah. Oh, like it was guys, fun. Yeah, like legacy, legacy guys like me, um, and then especially other legacy guys, you know, from any minority group that made it out clean. You know, no charges. Like, I didn't even make it out clean. I had to spend a ton of money to even get to the point where I could own a business uh, in the industry. Like, a lot of money. Uh, but people that did make it out clean still face that whole uphill battle. And then on top of it, they know, like, their own pins and needles because no one's got time for, like... One minor stuff. Yeah, it was like one minor slip up. You said it. You tweet the wrong thing that could oh, send you, your you, whole you, business into chaos. Well, and you can get an angry, you know, you can get an angry 
hashtag on you real quick. You can be the angry you know, black guy real quick. Yes. You can be the angry minority real quick. Like, oh, very easily. And then you can be the replaced minority. You know, and now the whole industry is just, it's corporate now. If you get a job making 20 bucks an hour, you're lucky. You know, so. It, yeah. It ain't what it used to be at all. So. No, not at all, man. Yeah. That's part of the reason I just was like, I'm going to try and do this grocery thing. Yeah. Because. Cannabis has just turned into a day job for most people that do, you know? Yeah. Uh, it kind of just tanks the industry for you a little yeah. bit. I mean, I remember when I was 15, and like, I'm going to be a fucking, I'm going to do this. Like, I knew back then, I was like, this is going to be medical. I wrote my sophomore, no, junior year, uh, you know, your English class, your junior year, and your senior year, you've got to write, like, your essay, the big essay or whatever every year and it's like end of the year, turn it, you start on it. For with the school I went to, you start on it and you get your you pick your topic in December and you have to present it in April. But it's gotta be like it's it's like gotta be pristine percent of your grade for the, 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 the semester. Um, I uh, two years in a row. I was uh, sixteen and seventeen years old and this was like so early back when it was just the emperor wears or the emperor wears or uh, wears no clothes, um, Jack Herrera, uh, Ed Rosenthal, people like that, and you have so very little information about it. But I pulled a lot of good info out of the resources that I had, heroin and things like that, um, about what legalization could someday look like. And I remember I spent about 10 minutes talking about the corporatization of recreational use marijuana, which at the time was just called adult consumption. Um, so my junior year class in 2003, I was explaining to a bunch of very uninterested 16-year-olds how someday growing marijuana was going to be just like working at a factory. And it hasn't been 20 years. And it's then. like spot on. Spot on, 100%. And oh, somebody in your class sees it. Like, that son well, of a bitch was right. I had <laughs> a lot of friends in high school. Like. <laughs> or somebody I knew, he was like, that motherfucker was right. Mm. Damn. Mm. <laughs> now, listen, I've seen plenty of people after high school, and they're like, you did exactly what the fuck you said you were going to do, dude. Like, you always said you were going to be like, make it big in the cannabis industry, and you fucking did. It's like, I did all right, you know. I'm doing like I'm doing one or two things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm staying busy, right? You know, you know? I, not, not too shabby. Yeah. But you brought up your like grocery, and before we wrap up with our last two beers, I just kind of want to talk about that being a black-owned grocery and being locally sourced. That's huge, especially in Nashville. We don't right. see that, and I, I thought it was always interesting. You picked East Nashville, yeah, for that space, like. Is that just because that's where you grew up, or like what was the um, what me, was their your hopeful impact being there versus going to like North Nashville or right. Antioch? Right. Um, my my big thing is once I I mean real estate for one, real estate for one, and East Nashville is always growing but on the decline in popularity. So I knew real estate was going to be slightly more attainable. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you can make new projects and things like that. But North Nashville, I mean, dude, the square footage is insane. Because you got a lot of what probably would have been considered legacy from new building owners that sold out in the past five, ten years. And 
a new round of people taking over, and you know, they realize what, what they got. Yeah, and, and they know that like, hey, if you want rent it, man, like, I, I, uh, organic cookie shop will move in here. You know what I mean? Right. And, and sell twenty dollar piece cookies to the people that are moving in this high rise over here. That ain't from this neighborhood. That ain't from this state. And I felt like it just had to be about timing. You know, I, I moved to Nashville in 2004. I moved to East Nashville. I went to Nashville Auto Diesel College, uh, which is now Lincoln Tech right there on Gallatin Avenue. Um, and I wanted to be a part, I wanted to build a part of the East Nashville neighborhood, even though it's changed so much. Oh, yeah. I remember I, I moved in 2010. Yeah. People talk about you. Like, you didn't really go to East Nashville back then. No. No, you went to, back then, especially before. You knew somebody, or? Yeah, you went there, you know, a couple bars to do whatever you were doing specifically. Yeah, you went over there because you knew somebody. And it's not that I like griminess, because that's what I hate about it. It's like, yeah, there was nobody developing businesses, nobody building stuff, no one creating jobs in those communities at that time, because... No one, they didn't want to invest in the people. But now you're right. around, but but there is that sympathetic plea like that. But on the other side of it is like, there's so many small businesses in East Nashville. Like, they really are. And, and I can't say that I'm not privileged in the sense that like, I have been able to take my personality and my network and turn it into capital for myself to do things like start a grocery store. Not everybody's going to have that opportunity. I took those chances because I am who I am, not because of anything else about me. Uh, I was accepted because I am who I am, not because of anything else about me. But for the people that didn't have those chances and those opportunities, you know, I feel like doing things in a place like East Nashville, even as a start to the overall scope of, you know, being in more... Uh, food desert type communities is to say that like you know you may have taken every square footage of this neighborhood from the people that were here mm-hmm. but for the people that bared witness to the people that were here the people that cared about those people the, pe- the people that liked the aesthetic of that neighborhood the right. it's poverty and all these things and that can be blamed on whatever processes there will still be people that keep that representation alive. And there'll still be people that like, I don't care if I make someone uncomfortable with what I say. I, I don't, I'm not going to agree with shit just to agree with stuff. You know what right. I mean? I'm not going to agree with everybody's politics. No way. Especially if we're not rocking on the same like, you know, especially if we're not going to the same kind of church and you don't know, right. grandma. You know, like there's so many things that make our community our community. And not to say that I can't cross over to other communities, but like in a place it's just like that, special. I'm going to represent my community. And right. It's something special about yeah. your community. Yes. And, and and there's parts of East Nashville that were, are gone forever, 100% gone forever. And, you know, for me, long term, that's going to be a place that helped get something started that is going to represent the the cultural aspects of the new East Nashville in the form of, you know, organic food representation and cl- clean food and 
clean consumption and local foods and things like that, but spread them to the areas that were basically deprived of that. Right. And once you're deprived of something, it's like the broken windows theory and all that stuff. Once you're deprived of a certain level of comfort, you're going to slowly convince yourself that you don't deserve that level of comfort. So to recreate that in the communities I actually want to, the ones that aren't privileged enough to just have it growing up every day, um, is going to take being in those communities too, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. And letting those people carry some of the the growth pattern. It's It's what you're here for. Like, that's what you represent. Like, to me, it's an opportunity, you know? It's like, I know what you like. Now let's make it something because we both know why you like it because it's good, not just because it tastes good, because it's clean, and because you know that the shit they sell at the corner store is going to give you fucking cancer, it's going to give you high blood pressure and all this stuff. Like, so let's do this together. Even though this is the new East Nashville community, let's do this in a way that's helping me grow to help other communities grow into this. Right. I grew up in a neighborhood where we had one corner store, and it was black owned. And the legend of this guy was he robbed the bank, he buried the money, he did 10 years for the bank robbery, got out, dug up the money, and started a corner store in his neighborhood and like ran numbers and stuff like that out of it. Cool triple OG shit, but like he never, like, and I, this is where I went to every day after uh, elementary school to get the jungle juices and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I always and the think, barrel juices. Oh yeah, always with the, with, the, with the giraffe on it and stuff. Hell yeah! <laughs> I always think about him. I think about him every day when I open up and I'm sitting there and I'm just like, you know, I don't have that same neighborhood like I like that dude has, but I can have that someday. And right. I can have that in, in a way that's like big enough to where it's not necessarily about profit. It's about Opportunity for the people in the community, right? Know? But it, it starts slow. It's, it's a slow. It's a slow kickoff. It's a slow burn. It's Definitely a slow, a slow burn, burn yeah. for sure. Yeah, you know, this is a. I looked at this when I got into it as a ten-year project. You know, um, you know, not all good money is good money, so you can't just take any investment thrown at you. You got. It's all got to be done. For me, it's got to do be done correctly, and it's got to be done well. Yeah, because that's the most important. Not even just correctly. It's got to be done well. It's got to be done because well. I've done the two for them. Yeah. This is the one for me. You know what I mean? Like, I'll do the alcohol. I'll do the cannabis stuff because I know that your choices for what you consume are your choices. And that's why I'm always going to look at it. Right. But you need opportunity. So I'll do the cannabis, the cannabis, the alcohol stuff and create money. But opportunity, that's what I want to do. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean? not about money. I want to do it to create opportunity. You know. Yeah, we definitely like need spaces like that. Like even just like Porter Road, just like gives us our spaces because we don't have something like what you offer. No, at all. Like no. in the city that I when I walk into your shop, I haven't in a minute, but it's just like I feel immediately comfortable. Yeah, I felt at home. I felt like you said with. Oh boy, your corner store. You're like you yeah. walking. That's just yeah. that's just the crib for yeah. you. You know what I mean? Like I grew up in a neighborhood like that. Like I had a neck. I had a candy lady around yeah. the corner. You just walk up in her house. She had the candy before it was even released. Right. You're like, and, and 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 that's that's something I, I love doing because like 
when people walk in the store, you know, it's not a big store, right? So it's a personal space. Very. And I immediately, I give them 30 seconds or so, and I immediately engage them. And I immediately talk to them. I find out if they live in the neighborhood, where they're from, what they like, if they're vegan, if they eat certain types of meat. Like, I ask these people all these questions to engage with them, to practice this, and to create a, a, a script of a sort to, to train mm-hmm. other people and say, like, we need to get to know these people because this is what I grew up. I, like, I grew up walking through the store. The guy knows you, you know, and you don't. I've been in every white neighborhood, you know, I feel like I've been in every white neighborhood in America. Right. They ain't got that. Like, the butcher in, like, a big city or, like, the, 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 Maybe the guy at the gas station might have a bodega here and there. And and, and that was the whole thing. It was a bodega and a farmer's market mixed together. And to bring that to every other neighborhood is the eventual goal. You know what I mean? Because you ain't got, they don't do a farmer's market in every neighborhood. They really don't. No, no. They offer CSAs in certain areas. You know what I mean? Like, for people that don't know, what is a CSA? So a CSA is like, if you want to get organic groceries or clean groceries directly from a farm, you can sign up for their CSA program. I don't know the exact uh, the exact uh, uh, definition of CSA, but you can sign up for their CSA and you'll get uh, a weekly, bi-weekly, monthly delivery of uh, okay. whatever they produce. Yeah. Gotcha. In a box. You'll just... It's, if it's this time of the year, you'll get whatever's in season. Whatever's in season, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, that's yeah. Dope. so okay. That's, and that's something that we're we're dialing in because that community is more educated on these aspects. And for me to dial my business in, I've got to have educated consumers that are understanding of all these things. You know, right. it's like you know, understanding of the deep complexities of the different types of farm raised and pasture raised and all this stuff. And understanding of like why organic spinach is a little bit more and why it's worth it and all this stuff to create my framework to then go and say, hey, you 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 set up a store and let's do this, you know. But I've got to have it all dialed in, you know. Right. And this is like I said, this is just a project for me, and I didn't want to wait another day to start it, and so I just jumped right in, and everything else is just gonna. Kind of together. fall into yeah. place. Oh yeah, for I mean, sure. Right now, Sometimes right. you got to do that. Like yeah, you just got to go in. You yeah. just got to do the, it. The first thing and you figure it out as you're yeah. going. Lay the bricks as you walk, man. Sometimes yeah. it's just the way it goes. Like you know, if you're trying to, if you go and you borrow ten million dollars from somebody and you're laying the bricks as you walk, you're an asshole. But if you're doing it with your own money and you're trying your own processes and it's working in ways and you're dialing in how it works as it goes. Man, that's just business. You know, that's just being an entrepreneur. That's just that's music. That's bootstrapping. Yeah, yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. But that's a whole that's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother episode. I don't have the capacity for right now. But um, but yeah, definitely. Um, Jim, how can they follow you on social media and keep up with the store and they can check out because this dude has pheasant in his grocery oh, store. So, I don't know many Kroger's or Whole Foods that have pheasant. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not trying to amp them up or anything. I'm just giving you facts, baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we got pheasant and rabbit and octopus and imported sardines and just all kinds of stuff. And, like, 
that's that's something. Name a Whole Foods that got that. I mean, name, we'll wait. name a store. Yeah. We'll wait. <laughs> Hit the comments. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's I think that's like important a little bit is that like I say representation in like the craft, especially foods, but understanding that like people need like Whole Foods and all that. But the easiest way to kind of follow us and see our progress is on Instagram at Porter Road Grocery. Uh, we'll be offering a grab-and-go menu soon, so you'll be able to pick up oh, different shit. soups, all vegan foods. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Let's we got, go. Oh, we've okay. got a couple of uh, uh, local uh, chefs that are kind of tapping in and helping us build out our menu um, to be able to provide those type of food plates for as affordable as possible, but at high of a quality as possible. Like, so we, you know, I mean, it's a grind out here, man. Like, making a good, clean plate of food is hard. Especially yes. if you work eight, nine hour day, take a 45 minute commute both ways. It's hard to get your food ready. It's hard to prep up, man. And like, we want to use what we have, the resources we have, the people we have to fill all those gaps, man. And like, it's a part of how we're exploring our business model and developing what we can really offer to the community. Because, like, you know, as we scale up and we move into a bigger space, we want to say, like, yeah, anyone over here that wants us to make your food for you, your lunch for you for a week, right. come pick it up. You want a CSA? You can come pick it up. You want, you know, we'll have beer and stuff, but, like, it's more focused on, like, that, like I say, offering that good, clean, you know, lifestyle. Healthy eating. Yeah, and then, like, you know, when it comes to beer, it ain't gonna be your everyday stuff. It's gonna be stuff like this, like stuff that people that clearly clearly, and purposely pay attention to what they're doing yes. to make a difference in the industry they're in, which is, like, the best thing you can be. Like, exactly. This right here is some of the best beer I've ever sat and drank. And I've enjoyed every drop of this. I'm kind of drunk. I'm going to eat this pork belly sandwich. From <laughs> I am. I'm up there with him. Yeah. Um, but, of course, like he said, follow Porter Grocery on Instagram. Yeah. See what they're up to. Get a grab-and-go meal. Support my guy, Jim. He's yeah, he's killing the game. Cannabis, grocery, and just really creating the avenue for really good, clean food and good, clean activities around cannabis and the grocery world. And you already know, you can follow me at The Bearded Brother. Check out my website, buy some merch. Um, hit me up if you uh, have any kind of interesting business ideas or want to talk beer. You know I can do that 24-7. So, as always, grab your friends, grab good-ass beer, drink up.